you know, as she was talking and talking about how this congregation has been a blessing to her, I began to just go over in my mind all the people that we've I've seen come come here to receive ministry and um, just in, in my time and, and you know for those of you who don't know I've been the senior pastor seven years um, been back in Big River for ten but I dedicated my life to the Lord in this church in 1985 and so I've seen a lot of people but um, I can't I, I know of at least five people that the church has ministered to that went into full-time ministry pastors missionaries and i know there's more than that um yeah I'm, they're already going more and more and more um so as, as we gather even today on a day like today there is ministry full-time ministry part-time ministry all over the room we're all in ministry um and 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 it's our job to equip and train at times to send out and at times to to reap the benefits here and so I am so grateful. I am a product of people who faithfully served in this church and taught me and gave. Um, so I am so proud of this, ch- this church and, uh, and, and your commitment to the Lord and the commitment to, to giving. Um, if you've got a Bible today, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. And we are... If, if I don't always title my message. If there's a title this morning, it's just simply, it's more things learned from the life of Abraham. We talked a number of, uh, actually been about six, eight weeks ago, we were talking about different life lessons from patriarchs in the Bible. And I want to do one more lesson uh, from the life of Abraham and uh, catch us up. So this is Genesis chapter 24. Um, swipe in your Bible. Flip in your Bible. Go grab a Bible, do something. Um, or just do Facebook and make it look like you're reading the Bible. Okay, I don't suggest the latter. Um, but Genesis chapter, that's the thing. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James. Um, so, but uh, if you've got a different version, but if, you, if you're doing your, your uh, Bible on your phone, then you can pick that version. Um, so, Abraham. We've, we've talked a lot about Abraham, talked about how he left his home, that God called him out of his people. He made some mistakes. He went into Egypt a couple of times. He uh, wasn't always smart. He wasn't always faithful uh, in everything that he did with the Lord, but he was a faithful man loved by God. So, so to catch us up here, Genesis chapter 24, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who bore a child at 90 years old, and the promised child Isaac was born. Sarah was 90. Abraham was 100 years old. So there's still hope for some of you. <laughs> Abraham has just buried Sarah. She died at, I think, 127 years old. Um, and so that would put Isaac at the beginning of Genesis chapter 24 here um, at about 37 years old. Now, interesting... Isaac is unmarried at this point, and I wish we knew more about this. I, I have a lot of questions on here. So he is unmarried. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that he hasn't had his share of women, possibly. I mean, hopefully not, but we don't know. He's a 37-year-old man, and I think he's still living at home. So I don't know if Abraham had a basement or not, 
But I'm getting the picture that, that, that Isaac is the 37-year-old boy who doesn't want to leave home, and he's still living in the basement of dad's house. Um, Sarah dies, and, and, and we, we don't know exactly what's going on, but the, the moment that Sarah dies, we come to chapter 24, and Abraham kind of has this, this revelation, I think, and it says, now Abraham, verse 1, was old, well advanced in age. I would say so. He's about 137. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And so, and we believe that physically as well as spiritually. Abraham was a blessed, rich man living in the land of the Canaanites. And Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who uh, ruled over all that he had, and then he says something kind of strange here. He says, please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So what's happening here is Abraham, for whatever reason, again, you know, it's all subjection. Maybe he was looking at, at Isaac being attracted to these women of the land who were impure, and he's like, you know, I don't want my son to have a marriage here, um, but we're living here. Now, now remember, they're living in the promised land that God would give them, um, but they haven't completely taken it. So they're living in a foreign land. They're surrounded by foreign gods and foreign people. Uh, and so they've left the promised land. And so now Abraham is at this point. He's like, okay, Isaac, you're 37 you don't have a wife yet and before you get the wrong wife I'm going to find one for you uh, which happened in these times um, I, you know, as I've gotten older there's been a number of times Shannon and I have talked about this going I wish we could go back to that and just pick our, 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 our children's spouses you know, just save a lot of heartache in the whole dating process and the whole thing anyways um, I'm sure we wouldn't uh, do a very good job but we think we would but Abraham says, okay, we're going to find you a wife. And he gets his servant, his faithful, faithful house servant. We don't know who this is, but if you remember back before Abraham had children, he was praying to God saying, God, I don't have any heirs. And Eleazar of Damascus, my house slave, is going to inherit everything I have. We believe that this servant that he's about to send back is one and the same who came out of the land of Ur with him and has served Abraham faithfully for all these years. It's his right-hand man, the master next to Abraham outside of Isaac of everything that Abraham had, and he's choosing him. Now, now th that might not be real significant except that one of the lessons that we're going to learn, and there's a number of lessons in here. One of them will be for you today, at least one. Everyone gets at least one today, and that is this. Abraham had lots of servants, he could have chosen anyone to do this trip. And, and we don't know how long this trip took. Um, we do know that, that um, Isaac was 37 years old when Sarah died. We don't know how much time transpired before Abraham goes to his servant. But Isaac, I'm going to get you know, spo uh, plot spoiler. At the end of the chapter, Isaac gets married. Okay. He's 40, so there's three years in between. We don't know how long this journey actually takes, but he sends his right-hand man to go and do this task. He doesn't just pick anyone. You know, when we're, in, in, and this is good for, for leaders, anyone uh, who owns a business, any leaders in here, when you have a, a task that is important, what do we do? We put the best man 
on the job. This task is so important that he's picking the most faithful, most valuable servant to go and take care of it. And, it's, and, and he makes him uh, have this oath. And, and back in this time, and even still today in some cultures, they will, they will, when they do an oath, they'll make the other person grab right here under your thigh and promise, and you swear this oath. Um, we're, we're not sure exactly why they do that, but it has to do probably with the, in this instance, that this promise that, that Eleazar, we believe, um, is making with Abraham is about Abraham's descendants. And so he's reaching and grabbing and touching and committing right near the area of, of, of the seed of man. I mean, this is a, a very intense, intense promise. And he says, you know, grab my right thigh and I'll make you swear by the Lord God, the heaven of, uh, of earth, that you will not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now, um, we passed right by this uh, in your reading, in your, in your annual look, go, go through the Bible. But if you did do that this year, at the end of chapter 22, um, right after uh, Abraham offers Isaac, at the end of the chapter, um, in verse 20, it says, Now it came to pass after all that happened that it was told to Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor. And then it goes on and lists eight of the children of Abraham's brother. So Abraham knows that there are children, family descendants waiting in his home. And so he sends his servant to go find a wife for his son Isaac. And I was really praying and, and, and through this, and I said, you know what, what? This is important to us, but, but how is it? Abraham's dwelling, working, living in a land that is not his own. For us, he, he's living in California. Because California is not a very Christian state. It's very contrary to our beliefs and becoming more contrary all the time. The state that we live in wants us to adapt all of us, all of our thinking, all of our principles to its desires. It's just, it's just obvious. They're, they're, they're making laws. They're passing resolutions. You and I, as, as believers, we're living in a state. Now, praise the Lord, we, we actually live in one of the only conservative uh, counties and areas. Big Bear is actually quite conservative. But Abraham was similar in that he was living in a place that was foreign to him. The gods that they wanted to serve were not his gods. But he was there doing business. Got any business in, business owners in the church? Yes, we sure we do. He was living, in a sense, they were going to school. They were doing everything in this area. But this part, he said, no, this is where I, I draw the line. I am not going to let my son have a wife from this culture. And why is that? Because when you marry someone, you t really do become one. You think back, if, if you're married, you've been married for a while, some of the things that you did when you, when, when you first got married, your wife, your husband didn't do, but now they're doing. Some of the things you never thought you would do in your family, now you're doing. 
Some of your, your, your Christmas traditions have changed. Your Thanksgiving traditions have changed. Um, even the way uh, maybe which side of the bed you sleep on, the, right? These things happen when you get married. And, and you look back, we've been married for 23 years. Um, and I look back and I say, you know, I'm, I'm changed. Shannon doesn't think I've changed enough. I, I'm still a messy, but, uh, but I, I've changed. And I've adapted to some of her customs. Abraham did not want Isaac to change any of his godly customs. And, and this is for all of us. We've got to be careful, though we're living in a land that is not warm towards Christianity. It's not warm to conservative thinking. And I don't mean politically conservative. I mean morally conservative thinking. We, we believe that, that a man and a woman shouldn't live together before marriage. God forbid. We actually believe, you know, it's, it's amazing that, that boys and girls shouldn't have sex before marriage. But the culture is saying, no, that's just old thinking. And that's all good. So as, as believers, we have to be very careful to not allow our procreative offspring and our even our thinking change and morph into what our culture is saying we need to be as 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 bold as abraham says you know what here's what we're going to do i'm going to i'm going to make sure this doesn't happen so he sends his servant to his family's house and there's some uh, we're going to skip by some verses we're going to read some real quick and they, and they get to the important ones here as we go so he they make this covenant now this servant of abraham is is so faithful and abraham is giving him this charge and he's like okay so um you're gonna go find a wife for isaac and he's like okay can i bring isaac with me and abraham goes no now this was interesting i said wait a second why you know maybe it was was isaac ugly you know don't want to you know i mean that's that that could be but I, that wasn't it abraham didn't want isaac to go back with the servant because they were on a mission. He didn't want to go back to where they came, even though the roots were Jehovah. They were in the place that God had led them to. So as Christians, we don't retreat back. We stay and go forward wherever God is planting you, knowing that we have to stay separate from the culture. But if God is giving you a place and a destiny and, and something that he's put into your heart, you don't go back. And he didn't want uh, Isaac to go back because, honestly, life probably would have been much better back with his people. It would have been easier. If I were to ask a show of hands of who would like an easier life, I think most of us would go, yeah. But then if I said, but at what expense, we would go, yeah, at what, at what expense? And that's for Abraham. So it didn't let Isaac go. And he says, go and find him a wife. And so the, the Ilya, we're just going to call him Eliezer. He says, okay, what if she won't come with me? Can I take him then? No, absolutely not. You, you, no matter what, you have to promise you're not going to take Isaac back. But if, if she will not come with you, then you're released. You're released. So this isn't Abraham resolving to be done this is Abraham in faith going in his mind that ain't gonna happen he trusts God his faith is strong that God is gonna fulfill his mission so he sends his best man to go find a wife for the son 
of promise. So they, went, they go. Chapter 20, I, I skipped a chapter. So they leave, and, and, and Eliezer goes with 10 camels, which means he's bringing stuff. But why does he have 10? He doesn't leave any of the camels when he gets there. He's bringing 10 camels because in faith he knows he's got to bring a whole caravan of people back. You know, there's a lesson here for us that when you go to do something for the Lord, when you go to do something for the Lord, do it in all faith. Like the person who said, I'm praying for rain today. So before they went to work, they grabbed an umbrella. And they walked around all day with an umbrella even though the, clear, the skies were clear. Because in faith, he said, I prayed and I'm believing God for rain. Will you grab your umbrella on a sunny day if you're praying for rain? See, the, the, one of the calls for us is to be like Eleazar is to say, I'm bringing the camels. She's coming home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I don't have to make two trips. I'm not going to go there, find her, then come back and go get her. In faith, my trip is going to be successful. Verse 10. The servant took ten of his master's camels and he departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand. He brought stuff. We're going to find out he brought stuff. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when, when women go out to draw water. Some of your versions don't even say it was evening time. Um, but that's the time that the women would go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. This, is, this, I believe, is the very first specific prayer that's specific. He goes on and tells the Lord exactly what he's asking for. And he says this, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And if she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink, let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. He's very, very specific in his prayer. And, and it might not seem that crazy of what this prayer is. Let her just give me a drink and give my camel something to drink. You go, man, wouldn't a, wouldn't a whole bunch of people do that? No. Here's why. Camels drink 25 to 30 gallons of water in 13 minutes. It's a lot of water. He has 10 of them. That's 250 to 300 gallons of water that the woman is going to offer to give drink to. A gallon of water weighs a little over 8 pounds. You've ever picked up a couple gallons of water? They're heavy, gallons of milk. The jugs around this time probably would have hold about three gallons of water that the woman, in fa she's about to come out, says that she, put the, she had the, the, the jug on her head and she, leaves, she brings it down and gives uh, Eliezer a drink and then offers to water the camels. Well, that, that jug is 25 pounds. It's probably not much heavier than that. So 300 gallons, three-gallon pitcher, even if it's 250 gallons, she's offering 
to make 83 trips to the water trough to feed to give water to the camels. Now you put it in perspective. How many of you going down to the store? Someone says, hey, would you help me bring my groceries to the car? You say, no problem. How much do you got? 83 carts. <laughs> so he makes this specific, specific prayer. And I, and I love that. And one of the things we can learn from that is it's okay to be specific with God. God, this is what I'm praying for. You know, I, I, I think it's just absolutely okay. You can be as specific as you want with something. Now, we're always open uh, when we're praying to the Lord that he might fulfill it in a different way. And, and one of the things I want to say is I was praying, I'm like, are, are we supposed to, this is like a, what, what, what Gideon did with the fleece, you know, pray that way with God. And, and I don't believe we're supposed to pray those types of prayer with God. He does it sometimes. Do you remember in the New Testament, to pick the, the last disciple to replace Judas. Do you remember how they picked him? They, they cast lots. Basically, they threw dice, whichever one fell on it. Did you know that's the last place in the Bible that they cast lots? They never do it again. You know what the difference is? Holy Spirit came. When Holy Spirit is in you, you don't have to cast lots. He confirms what you want. So as we pray for things, we say, God, let me know. And he just shows us which way we're supposed to go. He speaks to us. We have such a blessing over the Old Testament saints of the Bible. In some ways, it's like, oh, I want to be one of them. But we have Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And when we can make a prayer request, we say, Lord, let me know which way I'm supposed to go. The Bible says if you, anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives freely. He's given us wisdom to make decisions, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to confirm the decisions we're supposed to make. He's given us everything we need to do this. But, but Eleazar, he needed an outside answer, and so he does this crazy thing. He says, this woman who's going to do this for me is going to give me a drink and offer to, to feed my camels. And, and, I, and I believe that he was doing that also to find out he's looking for a woman who's kind, who's a servant, who's hospitable, who's a hard worker. He wants the best type of woman for his master's son. He's trying to get the very best because this man, Abraham's servant, is a good man. Who's your, sir, who's your master? Are you Eleazar for God? I want to be Eleazar from Damascus. He was obedient no matter how crazy. He had to take 10 camels and all these people all the way across the known world at the time to find a wife. He obeyed his master even though it seemed difficult, even though he didn't know for sure if his, this trip was going to work. He was trustworthy. The Bible says that he was in charge of all of his master's possessions. We can learn from this. We need to be trustworthy whatever God gives us. We need to be obedient and we need to be trustworthy with all the resources that God gives us, whether they're our, our spiritual gifts, our talents, our finances. He was trustworthy in all things. This man was humble. It wasn't about him. It was about what his master wanted. Even in his prayer, be kind to your servant, Abraham. He's not just going, God, do this for me so I can get my job done and be done. He says, no, I want you to bless my, my master, Abraham. 
There's a couple things else we're going to learn about him in just a minute. So he puts down this jug of water, or she puts down the jug of water, gives him a drink, and he sits there, it says, while she's giving water to the camels. And I thought, how long did that take? Listen to this. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. So Nahor is Abraham's brother. Bethuel is Nahor's son, born to Milcah. And Rebekah is, is, is Bethuel, Bethuel's daughter. So it's the granddaughter of Nahor. So if you're trying to figure that one out, it's Nahor and Abraham, and then Isaac and Bethuel and Rebekah. So he's marrying... It's his second cousin. It's not his niece, but she's a little bit younger than him probably. <laughs> yeah, so the woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had known her. She went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up, and the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. She said, Drink, my lord. She quickly let her pitcher down and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. Now, for, in case you're cynical or, or like, wait, how much water did she give him? I thought maybe she just poured a couple of jugs in there. I said, we're good. Because I, I was wondering. I wanted to be accurate. She quickly entered her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all of his camels. Well, maybe it's still just one jug per camel. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So it was when the camels had finished drinking. So when you're finished, you're done. They filled up. 20, 25, 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. So what does he do? He gets a nose ring. So all you ladies who have a nose ring, there's your biblical reason to have one. My wife's not looking at me because she's got one. It's, 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 it's a, a becca. It's about a fifth of an ounce of gold uh, on the nose, and it was just like the most girls wear it today. You know, probably in the cartilage. It wasn't one of those bull things. I still don't really like those myself. Any woman who has a bull ring in her nose is scary to me. But, but she had a little nose ring, about a fifth of an ounce of gold, and bracelets that weighed 10 shekels. A shekel's a half an ounce. So you've got five ounces of gold. And this gift is just to say, thank you for watering my camels. That's all that this gift is. It's kind of cool. Five ounces of gold at $1,500 an ounce. How would you like someone, you know, hey, would you carry out my shopping carts? It's 83 of them. Ha, huh. okay. And you get done. It takes you a while. And someone gives you $6,000 for it. And you go, that's a good day. <laughs> that's a good day. Why did he do that? He wanted to make a splash. He wanted her to go, wow, and get excited and say, do you need anything else? You can stay with us. We've got lots of room. Runs back, tells everyone about this rich, rich, person who's generous and we, we begin to find out and she tells the man who she is I'm the daughter of Bethuel so he's like praise the Lord and literally that's what he says the camels finish drinking he gives the the, the nose ring and, and the bracelets 
and he, and he says, who are you? And he's like, you know, sorry, we don't do this. We pray, but I could almost see him doing this. Who are you? Please. Let it be from my master's family. And sure enough, it is. God is, is got his hand all through this. And, says, and she says to him, we have both straw and feed enough to room and to lodge. The man bowed down his head and he worshiped Jehovah. When God is bringing you to success, do you worship God? You know, we go out and every day we have tasks to complete. And, and often we just look at things as happenstance and just the way things line up. When you get that contract for the new job that you're bidding, when you get that new job, when, you, when something goes the way you're hoping it goes, do you, like Eleazar, bow down and worship God? We can learn to always, first thing is to give him praise for all of his blessings in our life. And he worshiped the Lord and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham who was not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Young woman ran, told her mother's household all these things. She got all the girls out. They're all excited. I mean, come on. It's like you get some bling, some $6,000 bling. You're going to tell everyone. Laban, her brother, we're going to learn about him a little bit later. He shows up again in the stories. He saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and we heard the words of his sister. It says, Thus the man spoke to me, and he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. He's the brother, so he's, uh, Zach does this really well. Poor Madeline. Laban probably came out and went, What do you want with my sister? I just kind of picture that. So he says, Come, blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. The man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw. Food was set before them to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. Okay. Somebody, there's ten camels. That means that there's five servants, probably. There's a couple of servants along with Eleazar. Doesn't talk about him, but he wouldn't take ten camels by himself and do this long trip. He's got, he's got a guard with him. Six people show up your house at lunch. Can you feed them? Yeah, you probably can. It's going to take some time, probably. You weren't planning on that many extra mouths. Back then, they didn't run to the store to get a little food. They had to work really hard to produce a meal for that many people. He's been on the road, it's evening, he's hungry, and they're waiting. We don't see this, but they, th it took some time to get some food together. And after all of that waiting, I'm, I'm hungry. I don't know about you. Rick, you hungry? Right? I mean, you know, you're all day long, you're waiting. I mean, you're, you're hungry. You've been walking. This, this process is hours and hours. And the food comes, and I'm like, great God, thank you. Let's eat. And he says, I am not going to eat until I tell you everything. His master's business, far more important than his stomach. How about you? How about me? Is my master's business more important than my 
need for food, my need for whatever satisfies me, or will I'm willing to say, no, I'm going to serve my master first and make sure all that gets done before I wait on myself. And he goes and he begins to explain the whole deal to them. And he talks about Abraham. And I mean, he's, he's, Abraham's rich. He doesn't have any other children. Isaac is going to inherit all of it. He sent me back to get a bride. And obviously, we don't do things this way. I don't care what man shows up at my house and showing the bling and offering money. I'm not sending my daughter away with anybody like that. But in this culture, that's what they would do. So he goes through the whole thing, tells them how, how God led him there, and Rebecca came and, and, and did that going down. He even told him about the oath. In, in verse 42, he says, This day I came to the well and said, O Lord, my God of my master, if you will now prosper me in which way I should go, behold, I stand by the well of water. It will come to pass. And she comes, if, if she comes out and feeds, uh, waters me and waters my camels. She's the one. Rebecca then came out, verse 45, with her pitcher on her shoulder. She lets it down. Verse 49, he goes through the whole thing saying, I want to take this daughter to be the wife for my master's son. If you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. In other words, if you're going to give her to me, let me know. And this is just kind of fun. There's kind of a, a lesson here in the book to see what's, what's actually going on. He says, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Remember back at the end of chapter 22? Abraham learned that his brother had eight children. Here's what he's saying. All these riches can be in your family. They can all be Rebecca and Isaac's. She can receive all this. If you don't like that, I'm going to go to your cousin because there's seven more of you. Kind of cool. He's, I mean, he's just he's not holding anything back. I'm not going to waste any time here. Give me an answer. And so they give Rebecca. This is just a history thing. Not once yet have they asked Rebecca what she thinks. All they say is, hey, that's great. We'll do this. Both, both uh, father and Rebecca's um, brother both have to say yes. And they said, but let her stay with us for, for uh, some time. It's probably a 10-day 10 10 day thing that they wanted. And he says, no, don't hesitate. I want to take her tomorrow. And they said, now we'll ask Rebecca. And I know she's a woman of faith here. And she says, I'm going. Anyways, so what else can we learn about Abraham's servant? Well, he was persistent as well. Don't give up. He kept persisting, even with, even with the family. He said, this is my plan, and this is it, and I need an answer. And if you say no, I'm going to go do this exact same thing with somebody else. Because God is going to bring an answer for my master. Church, God calls us to do things sometimes, and it's hard, and you fail, and there's a roadblock in the way. Don't give up. Press in. If the Lord has called you to do something, keep pressing in. Keep being faithful. Be persistent until God brings you the answer. And lastly, the servant... We've already seen it. Every time there's success, 
He praises God. He's reverent, always giving thanks to God. The end of the story is, is, is wonderful. He brings Rebecca back, and Isaac is out in the field, and he sees her from far away. She sees him from far away, realizes that's Isaac, pulls the veil down over, over the head because that was the custom. You can't see the bride. And again, I'm glad we don't live back then because marriage back then basically was this. Isaac saw her, and he took her into the tent, and they was married. And that's it. Afterward, I love this. It says that Isaac loved Rebecca. This wasn't part of my, my notes, but I want to say this. You might be in a marriage right now that's like Isaac and Rebecca. Two strangers. Two strangers in your same house. Yeah, you know each other, but you feel like strangers. I believe that God can cause you to love again. Don't give up. I know this isn't about a divorce thing, but don't give up. I just really feel that somebody needs to hear that this morning. After they were there, something, something happened for Isaac. And you know what? He, we see this romantic love. You didn't always know whether it was romantic love back then. Some marriages were just arranged. But he said Isaac loved Rebecca. I'm going to encourage you, if that's you, you pray, say, God, reignite my love. Give me a new love for my spouse. Help me to be like Isaac, who can just have a change of heart and love. For all of us, help us to be like the faithful servant who obeys his master. Be trustworthy with everything that God gives you. Always remain humble and give the right credit to the master. Give the right credit to God. Whatever he calls you to do, don't give up. Be persistent. And always be reverent. Always be worshipful. Talking to God. Thanking him along the way. As he leads you into the miracles that he led Eleazar and Abraham into. Let's close in prayer. Father's lessons for each of us in the Word of God. In each chapter, there's something, God, and I, th I pray that something in here was ministered to everyone in this room. God, to, to step out in faith, to be obedient, to be faithful, to be persistent, to not give up even in our relationships and our marriages. God, even to be generous. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you're ministering to each of us, drawing us closer to you this morning. God, we live like Abraham in a culture that is contrary to our Christian beliefs. But God, we're going to continue to press in to the things that you have for us. We're not going to go back. We're going to press in. But we're not going to change our ideas. We're not going to change our ideals because they're yours. We're not going to change our practices because they're yours. We're going to stay true to the Bible. We're going to walk as faithful stewards and obedient to you in this land that isn't always friendly toward Christians. We want to make a difference in our families, in our jobs, in our schools. 
We thank you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, giving us wisdom, showing us how we should live and the things that we should do and where we should even go. So, Father, we give you praise and ask that you would walk with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.